Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, those are just a, a few of the glimpses of what goes on, what can happen, what a difference you can make. I love listening and hearing and seeing those stories, and it reminds me uh, of my own, some of my own stories. Um, some of you know, but... Um, I began, I was working here in Houston as an engineer in the air conditioning industry a few years back and uh, had, had started actually going back to church. I had, I had kind of stopped attending for quite a while. And a, a new friend I'd met at the church invited me to serve in the student ministry. And I didn't really, I mean, I, honestly, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I mean, just in all fairness. Uh, and, and I did not feel at all spiritually qualified, but I discovered I, I enjoyed it, and I liked the students I was asked to be with. Um, and I have to confess that I, I soon realized that there were students in that ministry that knew the Bible better than I did, who, who were more faithful in their faith than I had been. And it was, it was a little intimidating at first, but I stayed with it, and I found that they were helping me grow in my journey, even as I was there to help them grow. I also discovered that I was making some great friends with some of the other adults who were volunteering with the students, and in fact, some of them became some of my best friends and were even in my wedding. And over the next couple of years, as I continued to grow spiritually, I, I found myself helping more and more students and, and even recruiting some of my friends who were in the church who weren't involved in, in ministry to join us in serving. Now, when I tell you all that, let me just or set the stage or remind us that this was before, long before I ever sensed any calling to ministry. In fact, at that point in my life, I would have told you ministry was the last thing I ever wanted to do because you couldn't make any money. So, you know, I mean, I'm just, that was my thinking. I'm just being honest. And so, I, I, yet I, I eventually ended up planning programming for junior high students, and, and I loved it. And it was, it was during that time and later that I, I began to learn how much Jesus and the Bible talk about serving and the importance it is for our spiritual journeys. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, you know that the rulers of this, in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. Son of Man was a term he used about himself. Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, Jesus explicitly says that he came to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. The King, the Son of God, whom we would think he's there to be served, said he came for salvation and serving, and that they go hand in hand. For Jesus, to go up means to bend down and to take on the role of servant to others. And it's no different for his followers today. On his last night, he was here on earth. He, he demonstrated this as the disciples gathered with Jesus in the upper room for a of a, of a home to celebrate the Passover meal. And, and John and his gospel gives us a, an interesting insight in what was to come. In, in chapter 13, John b 
begins with this statement. Jesus had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Jesus, whom they now, the disciples believed, was the Messiah, the Christ, that they had spent three years with, being led by him, taught by him. Admittedly, they still didn't fully understand what that meant, and they gathered for their dinner after walking into town, and they wore sandals, so their feet were dusty. Now, typically, in a, in a Palestinian home or a Middle Eastern home of that time, a host would have a servant who would wash the, the guest's feet when they arrived. But there was, there was no servant here. It was just Jesus and his disciples. And apparently, none of the disciples wanted to take on that role and be seen as somehow less important as the servant. Don't we get that way sometimes? We don't want to seem like someone lesser. We don't want to put ourselves in that position. And so we avoid sometimes doing those kinds of things. And that's exactly what the disciples were doing. In fact, the Gospel of Luke tells us that earlier that day, some of them had been arguing about which of them was, in fact, the greatest. They saw Jesus coming with a kingdom, and they wanted to know who was going to sit, who was going to be in charge or second in charge behind him. And so with that kind of all working, John tells us, beginning in verse 4, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. We say this, we read this, and it is so easy to miss. Jesus took on the role of a servant. Jesus, the Son of God, pouring water over each disciple's feet like a slave would do, and then drying them. Peter objected, but, but Jesus overruled him. And in verse 12, it says, After washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and, and Lord, and, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do I? Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And as Jesus was saying this to his disciples, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I imagine it seems to me like if I was one of those disciples, I would be feeling a little bit of a shame right now, a little bit of embarrassment right now that none of them, none of us, had been humble enough to offer this gift of hospitality to those around, that somehow we didn't want to look like somebody less. And so Jesus had used it as a teachable moment to show them what it meant to be his disciples. It meant then and now to be like him. And that means to serve as a gift of love. And in their faithfulness, Jesus said, God will bless them. Everything, when I look at this passage, I mean, everything about this passage to me is screaming Jesus' very nature, that serving is what he does. And, and those of us who choose to be his disciples and follow him have to do the same thing, to serve. Or we really aren't following him. Now let that sink in for a minute. 
If we're not serving, we're not following because that's who Jesus was. It's clear that serving isn't just drudgery, but it's a way of expressing commitment and love and gratitude and community to one another. It's what people do when they set aside their pride and do whatever is needed to follow Jesus, whatever it takes. It doesn't ask, is it fair? It doesn't ask, but, but I've, I've done that already. It doesn't ask, I'm past that. Because it certainly wasn't fair for Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, to wash the feet of his disciples. But it's not about fairness or pride. It's about a transformed heart that is more concerned about others than self. And that's why that statement in verse 1 about Jesus loving his disciples was so important. John wanted to show us that serving others, putting, putting aside our privileges, our comfort, is an integral part of what it means to be like Jesus, to be his disciple. And when the core purpose is to express the love of God to others, it's incredible how it creates a sense of community, that we're in this together, that we're better together. I was talking with some guys this, this past week, and we all agreed that one of the best ways that we as guys really get to know each other is serving together. And I was also this week listening to some of our folks here at Gateway who, were, who served through Eight Days of Hope this past week in our community helping those who were still struggling and overcoming uh, the, the tragedies and disasters of Harvey, helping homeowners continue their recovery. Now, I was struck by how they, they sacrificed their time to help others, but also how much they talked about it as they were sharing about the great friendships they were developing as they served alongside others. And in my own experiences, I found the same thing to be true. Like the disciples, they were better together. And, and, and serving only strengthened those bonds. Let me share with you what um, one of our church family, Iwed, wrote recently. She says, my story into servanthood started off more selfishly, selfishly than I care to admit. I was going through a very difficult time in my life, and I needed and yearned for a, the sense of community, for friendship, for purpose. After the volunteer and filling out the volunteer form, I found myself designated to Next Steps area, which is that area right out there. Meeting Jen, Chris, and Robert was one of, the best experience, one of my best experiences at Gateway. They made me feel very welcomed, each in their own way, and it quickly became something I looked forward to every Sunday. As I was shown the ropes, they encouraged me every step of the way, and within weeks, I felt at home and, and, and as a part of the team. Shortly after joining Next Steps, which I continue to serve in, I took my servanthood to the next level. I explored the possibility of, of children's ministry, which was a result of having volunteered during Summer Kids Club and, and seeing how the lives of children can be impacted. I can vividly remember the teachers in my life that made a difference, and I hope that I can be that. Even if it's only one child, I felt the most at home with the early childhood group, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I now spend every Sunday serving alongside amazing people helping raise the next Christ-centered generation. Serving opened the door to meet wonderful God-led people who have helped me grow, not only spiritually, but as a person. I found my community, many friendships, and God's purpose through my serving 
and I'm so blessed because of it. So blessed. That sounds exactly like what John said as we love and care and look after one another. Our serving not only helps others, it not only, in fact, helps us grow spiritually as we put our faith into action, but it's a way to experience community, to grow friendships. So what happens when Christians then avoid serving, or at least don't do it very often? Well, first, we fail to use the spiritual gifts God has given us. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us, talking about followers of Jesus, so that we can help each other. Every Christian receives one or more spiritual gifts from God through the Holy Spirit, and and it's given specifically, the Scripture says, for the sake of others, not for myself. It's not something I can then brag about or say, look at me or look how great I am. And gifts include things like teaching or giving, hospitality, and so much more. But the parable of the talents that Jesus tells indicates that when we fail to use whatever God has entrusted to us, whether it's resources or gifts or time or whatever it may be, when we fail to do that for the sake of others, then he's disappointed. And he may take that gift or gifts away. And, and the parable doesn't, if you know the parable, it doesn't make that sound like a really such a good experience. And yet when we do serve using our, our gifts, the Holy Spirit empowers that. And, and there's just something honestly supernatural that happens and we can sense it and find joy and satisfaction in serving part of our God-given purpose. A lot of times people don't understand that when you're maybe standing out there welcoming somebody or you're with the kids and you have this sense that I, this is good. This is making a difference, or somebody gets something, or you get something that you didn't even think about. That very well may have been a moment of the Holy Spirit using you and working through you. It may not be earth-shattering. It may not be something that, that changes everything all around you, but in that moment, something happened, and God used you. Second, when we avoid serving, we tend to feed our own self-centered nature. I mean, whatever we fail to feed withers, right? And whatever we feed grows. And in our culture today, there's so much emphasis on self, and and the sin in us loves that. We love to to look out for number one. When I don't serve, honestly, it becomes easier not to serve. And I rationalize why I can't, or I don't need to, or I don't have anything to offer. But let me tell you something. That is a lie straight out of hell. Straight out of hell. Failing to serve really works against my own spiritual journey, my spiritual growth. In James, it tells us, James tells us faith by itself, if it does not have works, in other words, if it's not serving, is dead. And Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit, by how we live out of our faith. Third, when we don't serve, we fail to help others grow spiritually. When, when we serve, we are bearing fruit. Maybe not even fruit that we recognize, that God uses and multiplies to help the whole body grow, ourselves but also others. In Ephesians, Paul wrote, Christ made the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
Now, granted, you may teach in a class and you may not think a lot is happening. But you know, I, I think back to who are the, what influenced me. And honestly, it, it was never a sermon. But I can remember two or three people who served in the Sunday school I was a part of. A woman and a man. And I still remember them. I don't remember what they said. But God used them to impress on me that I mattered. And they made a difference. And we think sometimes, you know, to make it look like I've done something great, there's got to be something splashy or it's got to show up. The truth of the matter is when we serve, I want to tell you, this side of heaven, many of us will never know what a difference it made. And in fact, the devil will love to encourage you that it made no difference at all, that you wasted your time. You could have been doing something else. I've felt that. Many of you felt that. Maybe all of you felt that. But that is a lie. Teaching a class maybe is an obvious example because if we fail to use that gift to teach others, then people don't benefit. But it's not limited to that. For instance, not serving in the tech area of our children's ministry may mean that children, students, or adults, or in any area, really, don't get the whole message. Or, or not serving as a greeter or usher may mean a guest doesn't have a warm experience and doesn't come back. You know, here's the thing. A, a lot of people think, well, it's, it's the, the preacher or the music. But they have done, people out there in, in, in universities have done studies. And what they have found is most people decide if they're going to come back or not the next Sunday in the first six or seven minutes of arriving on campus. You know what that means? They sure haven't heard me. <laughs> they haven't heard Betsy and the music. What they've heard, who they've seen, are our greeters, our ushers, our people in the parking lot, or you just being friendly and gracious and hospitable. It's been proven over and over again that it makes a difference. Everyone who serves, everyone, makes a difference in the kingdom of God. When people don't, fourth, when people don't connect to a group of people in the first few weeks, there's a, a higher likelihood that they'll just kind of stop attending. They'll, they'll just kind of wane. It, 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 it could be uh, that they, they connect with existing friends, or, but it could also be a small group or a ministry team where relationships start to form because whether we realize it or not, everyone needs what Christ has to offer, but we experience it through relationships. That's where the most significance is, through people right around us, people seating seated next to us. It's been proven that those who grow fastest and most of the disciples of Jesus have some sort of community with other followers of Jesus, whether it's a small group, it's a mentoring relationship, it's serving with others, it's a Bible study, it's a ministry team, whatever. When people don't connect with a group of people in the church, almost anything can interrupt that spiritual journey. Busy, sickness, job, kids, and it becomes less and less important over time. Not maybe intentionally, but just becomes distractions. And Satan loves to use distractions. Man, that is one of his favorite tools 
against you and me. That's why we put such a high value here on creating relationships. You're both serving and being in a small group because we have little influence in someone's life if they're not engaged with us. And, and yet I hear all the time from folks who become involved in, in this church that one of the reasons they love coming on Sundays is to see their friends. And so the, before the service and after the service, people are hanging out. They're talking to folks. They're, they've gotten to know them. They've done life with them. And it's made a difference. Fifth, when I don't serve, it leads to fewer people doing more. And that can lead to burnout. I mean, we have folks here, some of you know this, some of you are this, who are so dedicated that they will take up the slack when we, when we lack volunteers. But it may mean that they don't even get to worship because they serve in the first hour, maybe in children's area, and, and because somebody doesn't show up or whatever, they'll stay and serve the second hour. And that may happen sometimes for weeks or even months. And at some point, for some of them, not all, but for some, it kind of starts to feel like burnout. And some of you have experienced that, maybe here, maybe somewhere else. And no one wants that for anyone. But that's what happens when some of us don't do what we could do. And finally, what leads to, which kind of leads to a sixth and related issue, fewer people serving means the body of Christ is limited in what it can accomplish for the cause of Christ. The body of Christ is, is an expression found in the New Testament that talk about the community of, of Christians, of believers, who are called by Christ to work together to accomplish his work here on earth, to be his hands and his feet. The 1 Corinthians 12 says the human body has many parts, kind of setting up an analogy here. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Excuse me. Bless you. If the, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, I, I'm not serving because I can't sing, or I'm not serving because whatever... That does not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? I know some of you don't like to think you might be a nose. But just go with it. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. If you believe there is a God and he is working in your life, you need to know he has put you right where he wants you. He's put you in this church. He's, he's connected you with people. He's given you the opportunity to do that. And so what happens when a part of the body fails to do its part? Well, when, when my family, when we lived up in East Texas, we adopted a, a three-legged lab mix named Buddy. And I didn't have a great picture of him, but... Here he is at our back porch with his doghouse, and there are only three legs. He's not holding one of them up. That's, that's the real thing. And he was the best dog, and, and he learned to compensate for having three legs. He'd lost it in a car accident before we adopted him. And so he got around pretty well. In fact, he could still run faster than we could. But there were still limits to what he could do. Obviously. Y'all, the, the church is no different. The body of Christ, the church, is limited 
when any one of us fails to do our part. Granted, we, we often figure out how to compensate, maybe even to the point where it doesn't even appear obvious. But I guarantee you we're less than we could be. And some parts have to take on things that they aren't particularly well suited for. And the mission of God does ultimately suffer. That's why you're going to always hear us talking about serving. Because it's not just about taking care of the needs of, like, this institution, church. It's about leading you to become more like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came to serve and not be served. It's about helping you use your gifts to make a difference in this world, even when you don't realize it. It's about helping you be obedient to what Christ wants you to do and what he wants to do through you. Certainly, serving goes beyond what we do in and through the church to what we do in every area of our lives, whether it's in our homes or in our neighborhoods or, or at work or, or even on vacations. It, it, it occurs in all of those settings. But the church, the body of Christ, gives you and me this opportunity to begin to live out this lifestyle in concrete ways that can translate into all these other areas of our lives. When we start serving here and discover that it, it's okay and, and, and it works out and I can make a difference, it encourages me to do it elsewhere. Serving in a church occurs within the walls of our church on ministry teams, but it also occurs beyond the walls through missions, outreach, and, and in our own settings. And so our ministry fair today gives you the opportunity to explore many of these serving opportunities with folks who are doing it, who are doing those very things, and they can tell you about their experiences, and they can tell you about blessings they've experienced. And trust me, even though I, I know some of you doubt what I'm saying, some of you just don't think you can or don't think you need to or, or whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, God created you to serve. And there is an area in God's church that he wants to use you in, to teach you, to grow you, to help you become more like Jesus. You and I cannot become more like Jesus. We cannot truly be his disciples and not serve. That's as blunt as I can make it. But it's not a bad thing because he created us that when we do that, it's actually, it becomes a joy. It becomes so cool when God actually uses you to make a difference in the life of another. And he is going to use you. I promise you that. And, and here's the thing. You may not find the right place right off the bat. And, and if you're, you aren't used to serving, it may even take a while for God to grow you and your heart to the point where you see and understand the value and, and importance of what you're doing. And here's the other thing. Let's just put all the cards on the table. The church is not made up of perfect people. We mess up sometimes. We're ornery sometimes. We forget about you sometimes. And when I say we, I don't mean just the staff. I mean all of us. And if we come into this like, 
everything's got to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed because the world isn't perfect. And the church sure isn't perfect. In fact, the church is a hotel, not a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. It's where some of the worst of us are, where we need it. But God is using that and working in it. And we're better than we were by the grace of God, through the power of his spirit. So don't give up easily. Don't give up quickly. Because that's exactly what Satan wants and exactly what God does not want for you. Let me share you a couple of things folks said. Atra wrote this about serving. She said, there's a very strong sense of community within our Kids Town team. There's a lot of trust between myself and, and the other volunteers in the room. I believe one of our greatest strengths is that we truly enjoy spending time with children. We love to be playful and silly along with the kids while also being able to guide them and mentor them as they learn more about God. Now, I'm not saying every one of us in here is cut out for kids. But, you know, I bet more of you are than you know. That's why I love the story about Mark and his serving. He, he wrote, he said, Randy had told us we should not pray for God to show us what makes him sad. He said that if we did, that we'd better be ready to get an answer. Well, this started me to thinking, and I prayed that every night, asking what made God sad. And we were watching the movie Courageous. I'd seen the movie a couple of times and was not expecting what happened. They were talking about kids without fathers and how much it was messing them up. Well, the next thing that I knew, my eyes were welling up with tears. I started shaking, and I had to stop the movie. I had my answer. God wanted me to work with kids without fathers. I had no idea how or where to start. I asked God what I was to do. The next day, my Bible quote of the day was from Ephesians 4.12, Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Now that's not God talking. I don't know what is. He has brought me through all of this. I started serving in Kids Town 4 and have not stopped. I joined the teaching team and became a coach. As time moved on, I started serving on, at Summer Kids Club. Now I do it every year. The last time God moved me to do something was when I started serving Parents Night Out. Now I'm really out of my comfort zone. I started doing puppets and anything that's asked of me that I can fit into my schedule. I have the joy of seeing kids learn about God and what he means to us. There's nothing better than to teach a lesson and to see the kids get it. When I do my job right, it's because God has worked through me to reach the kids. If I do badly, then it's because I didn't listen to God as he told me what to say. It's my hope and prayer that we reach as many kids as possible. Teach them the good news about Jesus. Give them a good starting point for the rest of their lives. As Proverbs 22, 6 says, teach them the way they should go, and when they get older, they won't turn from it. That's the main point in this ministry. It's all about the kids learning about God. And then he concludes saying, I always say that I am the biggest kid in the room. That seems to be true. I love what I do for the kids God has given me a joy that I could find nowhere else. When I say that I am in, it's because of the joy and fulfillment that I get from serving a powerful God. Thank you for letting me tell you this story. I hope it helps you to understand why I serve and who's behind me all the time. I'm not able to do this without his help. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Yeah, amen. By the way, this is a story about a gentleman, um, a middle-aged gentleman, has no kids, never has had kids, never thought he'd have any interest in kids. And God 
did something miraculous. It is amazing how this mighty God works in and through us when we serve. We really are, guys, we really are better together. And, and God uses each of us together to make a difference. And I want to tell you, no matter what some little voice is saying in your head right now, you're not an exception. With some little voice saying, yeah, that's everybody else, or I learned that's not true for me, you're no exception. God wants to work in and through you. Maybe it's not in kids, but there is a place. If Scripture is right and God has put you here for a reason, there is a place, and he will use you to make a difference and grow you in ways you don't even see coming right now. But you'll look back at some point and you'll say, why didn't I start sooner? That's always the way it works. And so if you need to talk to somebody, our prayer team will be down here and they'd love to pray with you if you're debating something or wondering something. And of course, the ministry fair is all out there and just take your time, you know. Don't feel like you got to hurry out talk with people. If there's a few people in front of you, wait. Because we're doing this for you. Not because, again, we've got these slots we've got to fill. We're doing this because we believe this is how we help, we lead you to become more like Jesus. And that's when you were baptized, for those of you who've been baptized, that's what you affirmed. That I would make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. I would follow him the rest of my days. So we want to help you on that. And then, now, granted, you guys have come early. Put your chairs out there during the second hour and watch the, 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 start the tailgate party. You don't have to wait for us, the rest of us, while we do the next service. Get out there and, and watch. Some of you may or may not know they, they weren't able to do a lot of the flying yesterday. And so I'm guessing they're going to do some extra stuff today. And... Uh, I mean, the, th the, the, the blue angels fly right over this place and all kinds of stuff, and it's, it's a great opportunity to just come and have a good time. So I hope you'll join us to just kind of tailgate. If, you wanna, if you've got a TV and you want to set it up and put the game on, hey, I might even come sit near your place. <laughs> but join us. And if you're a guest today, I'm, I'm going to be out here with some friends and would love to say hello to you. Let me invite you to join me as we close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you that you loved us so much that you emptied yourself and became one of us in Jesus Christ to taking on the mantle of a servant. You came not to be served, but to serve. And you call your followers to do this countercultural thing in a world that calls us to look out for number one and, and what's in it for me and, and I deserve this. You tell us it's all wrong and we will never have enough stuff. Father, even if we won $1.6 billion in the lottery, we wouldn't be any happier. In fact, experience has shown that the big lottery winners are actually less happy after they win. That, that doesn't make sense to us. And a lot of this stuff, like serving, maybe doesn't make sense until we're doing it, until we're in the middle of it. But it's how you created us. 
And if we believe that you exist and you did create us and you know what's best for us, then help us to trust you, to follow you, to serve you by serving those you created, to share your love in tangible, concrete ways with the world around us. Use us, Father, for your glory, we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go find your place to serve. We're better together. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.